Today, the highs and lows of farming. The lows, the ongoing battle with flood water. We feel that the Environment Agency are using us as a free of charge floodplain. You know, we've saved a lot of people's houses, we feel. If this didn't go here, it would have gone somewhere else. It is basically looking like an inland sea. It's horrendous. For several weeks now, farmers have been underwater since, what, the beginning of September. We've had successive bouts of rain. From the background, you can see that there's a phenomenal amount of, of water stored here as a result of this. And without it being here, then we would have seen many homes in Lincoln flooded. We are seeing a massive public service, actually, to keep other places dry. And that has a value, uh, and farmers have got to be rewarded for that value. Much more on that in a moment. And then later, the highs. We're talking about the world's fastest tractor, ahead of Guy Martin's programme on it on TV tonight. The Week in Agriculture. This is The Farming Programme with Sean Dunderdale. Good morning and welcome to this extended podcast of The Farming Programme as we bring you the very latest on the flooding that's left thousands of acres of farmland underwater. By now, you've probably seen the images. Some land has been deliberately flooded to stop homes, businesses and entire villages being washed away. One startling image has been the farmhouse of Henry Ward, surrounded by water at Short Ferry, where the Barling O burst its banks and hasn't stopped pouring water on the land since. It's uh, featured over the last few days in most national newspapers and television. I went there straight after the programme last Sunday after hearing how bad it was, and the scene really did take my breath away. On Friday, I went back to see if things had improved. If anything, they'd got worse. Henry Ward talked me through what happened. Yeah, OK, so the Barling Zoo, which is the river here, burst its banks on Saturday morning, um, and the water levels across our land and neighbouring farmers' lands have risen to between 6 to 10 feet of water in places now, and it's still rising, actually, because uh, last night we had another 27 mil of rain, um, and it's now... So the flood water is covering in excess of 1,500 acres now, so it's just staggering to see, really. And, and what was the first indication there was a problem for you? Okay, so this time last week, so last, last Thursday, we got all this rain, uh, torrential rain, we had about two inches. Um, Notice the river's coming up really quickly. Branston Island, which is a managed floodplain behind us here, run by the Environment Agency, it was, only, it was still half full from previous uh, heavy rainfall, and I saw the river's coming up fast, I knew we were going to have a problem. Uh, the river started overtopping, uh, and that's when it started eroding away at the bank and the banks breached. And then, um, to be honest, it's with the volume of water that we've got on our land now, it's kept a lot of people's feet dry, which is a good thing. On the east end of Lincoln, Langworth, Bardney, um, we'd have seen hundreds of houses and people's lives affected by this if, if the floodwater hadn't come onto our land. Now, what would normally be here? Obviously, we know about the road and the land, but what would you be doing this time of year on the land? Yeah, so uh, hopefully by this time of year, we'd have been drilled up so all winter cereals planted. Um, we had 60 acres of this land penciled down for putting potatoes in in the spring, but now we've got 10 feet of water across the land. We're not going to be able to plant any crops in here for the next 12 months. Um, so I'm going to lose 12 months of earning, um, and it's going to cost me tens of tens of thousands to uh, for the remedial works as well once the floodwaters have resided. And what about the, the house itself? You, it's, it's, it's lifted up so it hasn't flooded yet, yeah? No, that's right. So when it was built, Dad was conscious to get the floor level slightly higher than the riverbanks. So it's actually sat on its own island. That's why the pictures of this are so staggering because it's the yard and the house are just marooned on their own island over there. 
lucky uh, that your dad thought of that. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so um, you know we're quite lucky in that respect that we haven't got any flood damage in, in our in our house, but. You know, our heartfelt sympathies must go out to people in Fish Lake and other um, areas that have had their houses flooding and and people's houses and property and lives, of course, must come way far and above farmland in terms of flood management and flood prevention. However, we feel it's really unfair. We feel that the Environment Agency are using us as a free-of-charge floodplain. Um, You know, we've saved a lot of people's houses, we feel. If this didn't go here, it would have gone somewhere else and more than likely in an urban area and you know if, it, if it's anything to do with the environment agency then I'm not going to get any compensation for this so I'm going to be seriously out of pocket it's going to put huge strain on my business and it's remarkable the environment agency didn't make contact for a number of days did they so we have heard from them now we heard mm. from them yesterday morning uh, but that was five days after the uh, riverbank went to be honest we felt really on our own with this one and I know neighbours as well um, they've so um, Olivant's down the road they tried to get in touch with them on Sunday morning for sandbags and pumps and they uh, refused to help them so it's just terrible to be honest and what what have they said when they finally did speak with you okay so they're really only talking about the short term and to be fair all they they can't really do a lot until water levels subside Um, they're talking about putting a temporary fix in the river bank and then pumping the water off our land back into the rivers but we're in November now Uh, the land saturated we could see our farm with certain levels of flooding on it well into spring now and that's the uh, that was going to be my next question really when do you think is there any indication when this might start to disappear i have now planned that we're not going to get any crops in for the next 12 months Mm. this will all be fallowed um We'll start working on the land, hopefully, you know, late spring, early summer, try and get remedial work done and uh, get it in order for this time next year uh, for, for drilling. And I just hope that we can put some pressure on the Environment Agency. So we had to uh, try and put pressure on the Environment Agency to try and get, uh, for the medium to long term, get the waterways better maintained um, so that we don't see things like this again. That's it. Something needs to change this time, doesn't it? Yeah, of course. So uh, what we're really trying to campaign for is to set up a uh, Lincolnshire River Authority uh, to look after and maintain our rivers in the the county rather than the Environment Agency um, to get... uh, rivers dredged but that's only the tip of the iceberg if there needs to be more water storage areas like this on our farm here then that's absolutely fine if they want to flood that this in in very high rainfall events but we need proper compensation for it right it's starting to rain again now so uh henry thank you for chatting with us i mean it's a we've all seen the images but actually when you see it in person it's almost a tourist attraction you should start charging really for people coming down to see it yeah i know we have thought about charging for boat trips it's <laughs> like been on the norfolk broads to yeah. be honest but uh, yeah anyway thanks for coming I just don't know how he's managing to stay so positive. Maybe boat trips is the answer. A scene of pure devastation. That's Henry Ward there on a farm that's now a very large lake with no clue as to when the water will disappear. While there with Henry, Stuart Roberts, the vice president of the National Farmers Union, arrived to see for himself just how bad things were. We spoke last at the Lincolnshire show the week after the Wainfleet flooding. So could he believe his eyes at the scenes at Short Ferry? Uh, Very simply, no, I think, uh, until you see this for yourself. We've all seen the videos, we've all seen the front page of the newspapers. Until you see this for yourself, you can't believe it. And... um, your heart's just got to go out to, to the businesses and the people who are affected by this. It is, um, 
It is basically looking like an inland sea. It's horrendous. A lot of questions need answering. Um, you know, at the moment we're dealing with an emergency situation, but once this is solved, I'm guessing from an NFU point of view, you'll be asking a lot of questions. Yeah, look, the, the first questions we're asking is, you know, we've got a breach here that needs to be dealt with. We have got an emergency situation. You're right. We've got to get rid of this water. But then, actually, we have to ask, I'm afraid to say, the same questions you and I talked about at the Lincolnshire show, uh, which is actually, what is our long-term investment strategy in water infrastructure in this country um, you know, one of the things that we will have access to in future is fresh water you know we will be one of the places around the world that will but we've got to be able to capture it we've got to be able to move it you know we have not invested in infrastructure in water for way too long uh, we've got to be bold and we've got to be ambitious um, but we have got to also get to a point where we prioritize agricultural land for its value we've undervalued it for too long uh, and we've also got to get to a point where what what are what are we seeing in front of us here today we are seeing a massive public service actually to keep other places dry and that has a value uh, and farmers have got to be rewarded for that value this is this is a devastating scene in front of us um, and, and we've got to get to a point where that is properly recognized for the public good it is and done in a designed way uh, not done in the way it's being done at the moment that's Stuart Roberts, the Vice President of the NFU. We'll hear a little more from the NFU's Simon Fisher a little later on. Now, another victim of the flooding has been the Bransby Horse and Rescue Centre, where land there was deliberately flooded to stop water hitting Lincoln. Joe Snell is the charity's chief executive. Over the past few days, we've had to move in the region of about 100 horses. They are all safe and well. Um, the staff have held up to the challenge incredibly well over the weekend. Um, but it's just that the accommodation they're living in, um, so in stables, on wood chip pads, is not sustainable for us in the longer term. We are all very mindful of the fact that once the flood water does go away, which it doesn't show any signs of doing so at the moment, um, everything isn't going to go back to normal. There will be quite a lot of damage on that land. It has a, quite a lot of nasty things in there. We've got human waste in there because we've got septic tanks around the site. So the land is probably not going to be usable between, for between six and 12 months. Um, so we've been working over the weekend um, on our emergency flood crisis campaign, um, which involves um, moving a number of horses, quite a large number of horses up to our new site in Barlins that the charity bought in 2018. Um, we've got around 120 acres of grassland um, already set up up there. We have got a, a, large number, a large amount of fencing that we do need to get in place. Um, and we are looking at being able to move the f 100 horses that we've had to move. We're, we're hoping to move them up to Bar at the Barling site over the next four weeks. Um, that's the timescale uh, we're working towards. As you can imagine, there are no buildings up at the Barling site. No staff welfare facilities, um, so there's quite a lot of logistical things that we've got to get in place. Moving them, moving a hundred horses is not going to be an easy challenge. Um, so we are um, tapping into resources that we've got in, in within the welfare industry to help us with that, and we've had quite a lot of support um, from the welfare industry offered already. It's really sad. It really is sad, and. 
you know, I think over the weekend we've, we've been frantically trying to put measures in place, but the reality is I think we're all really shocked by what has happened um, and it's going to impact on us hard um, for the next six months, really. There's going to be an awful lot of work to do. Oh, it is just devastating. Thoughts there with Joe Snell and the team at Bransby Horse and Rescue Centre. If you think you might be able to help them, by the way, I know they were looking for things like vegetables to feed the volunteers, make some warming soups for them. Do get in touch with any help that you might be able to offer. Earlier, we heard from the NFU's Vice President, Stuart Roberts, and as he said, there are many questions raised by what's happened over the last 10 days. Simon Fisher is the NFU's Environment Advisor for the East Midlands. For several weeks now, farmers have been underwater since, what, the beginning of September. We've had successive bouts of rain. Um, We know around the whole region in the East Midlands that there's very little planted in the way of winter crops. Um, Some farmers managed to get some oilseed rape in very early in August, um, but even that's suffering with things like cabbage stem flea beetle and uh, and too much water. Uh, and anybody who has actually planted an autumn crop, a uh, cereals crop, is, is actually finding some of those starting to rot off as well. So um, it does not look very good out there at the moment. Farmers are, are struggling, you know, already, as you say, and, and the, the river's overflowing. We've got various issues along the Trent, uh, the River Ancombe, uh, the, the, the till washlands being, being deliberately flooded as well. I mean, what, obviously you're in contact with the Environment Agency and with the authorities. Uh, how much worse is it going to get before it gets better? Um, well, it's raining today, so it could get worse. Um, yeah, I, I, I've actually I came to work this morning thinking... Uh, it can rain anywhere else today, but not on the Ancombe because we've got livestock units there which are, are very close to flood levels um, and we don't need them. Well, we will have insurmountable problems if we if we see them go under. Um, so we've tried to make we've tried we've tried to take steps to make sure that's extra pumping capacity gone in down there, etc. So um, yeah, we've been trying. I mean, I've spent the last week basically just troubleshooting things that have come forward. I've got an awful lot of. Um, emails and phone calls from other farmers saying yeah we've got a problem i said look i'm going to park yours for the time being that's going to be sorted out once we've once we've got rid of the emergency uh, and whilst we're, i mean i learned this from Waynefleet, whilst you're in emergency mode you actually have to sort of prioritize and get rid of some of the other things that you can't deal with there and then but actually other things will come back to so for example i had an email this morning from a farmer in Lincolnshire saying why can't we fill our winter reservoirs, all this spare water that's flowing past at the moment, because the EA don't allow us to do it, only allows us to do it between certain dates. And here we are in a situation where we've got so much water coming off our land, which is going past us in the stream. We could suck that out quite easily. That might even alleviate some flooding down downstream, but we can't do it because of the bureaucracy of the abstraction and licensing system. And I'm going, yeah, I've, I've sent, I said back to the guy, I said, well, between June and now, we've, we've thrown millions of tonnes of water into the wash in successive episodes of rainfall in this county, which could have been, you know, we could have taken some of that out and actually used it. Um, if you think back to June, it was within 10 days of the Waynefleet breach, we were actually irrigating in the county, so that's how dry it got afterwards. Uh, this time round, we went into a very wet period, which hasn't dried out. But so th- you, when you start sort of factoring in those sorts of things, there are all sorts of things that are going to come out of this, which will be going onto an agenda, which we're going to need to start talking to the EA and, and other, and DEFRA particularly, about how we, in essence, how we make the, how we help the industry become more resilient. To uh, this is this is what climate change means, and we get more of this sort of thing. Then we've got to actually adapt to, be able to deal with it. Um, but also, 
know, big questions being posed to us about lack of maintenance of drainage channels, mm. about how difficult it is to communicate with the Environment Agency and all sorts of things coming out of this, which uh, you know, are going to be pretty long agenda of things to go and uh, discuss at uh, various levels of, uh, of local and national government. We've spoken a lot about the, the Barling Zoo. Obviously, we've seen all the images in the national newspapers, the national mm. uh, media getting involved um, as well. That there is, is, you know, in some areas, farmland is being deliberately uh, flooded to save homes, to save businesses. There, it wasn't the case. The bank has, has broken, as we've heard. Yeah. Um, and and it, I, I believe that the, the bank itself broke, what, in 2007 and, and so, was yeah. repaired in the same yeah, area, but actually... Time, but yeah, yeah, but it was so, so why is it gone again? Well, mm. was that down to a weaker section? If you repair... I mean, to be blunt, the, the breach at Wainfleet, although it's now shored up by a lot of steel piles... Um, potentially a slightly weaker part of the bank because it's had that break in it. But so, so I don't know how they repaired it in uh, 2007 before my time. Um, but it does ask the question. Clearly, we've got a low spot there, which probably needs tightening. Um, so there, there are various ways of looking at it. And my understanding is the EA have got a recovery team already in place to actually look at the options. They physically are struggling to get in there to do anything about it, though. Um, and that's really where the rub is, because uh, a lot of people will say, well, just send the Chinooks in again. And, 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 you know, as much as that's a very good idea and it would help resolve the issues we've got in that immediate area, um, there isn't a town sat below it, <laughs> which there was at Wainfleet. So that's the difficulty. We've heard also from DEFRA about the, the Farm Recovery Fund. They've put uh, brought mm. that forward and extended that. There's still a few questions as to who's um, eligible for it. Well, but yeah, and where and who, basically. Mm. <laughs> um, we're nothing more than... Uh, I, was, I was actually quite surprised when I heard that. I was, in, uh, I was having dinner in a place near Peterborough um, with, the sh- with, um, with the Tenants Conference that's uh, being held there today. And um, somebody said, oh, they've just announced Farming Recovery Fund for, for flooded... Midlands and Yorkshire farmers are going, really? <laughs> I mean, it took us two months to clear that for the Wainfleet one. It's marvellous what a general election does when you actually get, get stuck in. But um, So no, no, that, that is you know, very welcome, but there are serious questions to be asked about how, how and where and when, um, which we haven't seen yet, and obviously we, we'll be starting to sit down with DEFRA to do that. Um, but actually, in the scheme of things, what actually is needed out there is a much wider help to farmers um, and um, certainly um, you know there's a lot of flooded farmers out there who are going to take quite a hit on this and, and certainly if, without any autumn crops drilled you know that's one big hit already without even having to work out how much that will cost um, but things like making sure we get the basic payment scheme the direct supports payment paid as early up front as possible because there'll be huge cash flow issues around the whole region um, bringing forward the agri-environment scheme payments that are due to so, so there are ways the government can help um, we'd really like to see a slightly wider package than um, just a, a farming recovery fund for those who are flooded, which is going to be fairly tightly drawn. It was with Wainfleet, uh, didn't include everybody who suffered down there. Um, and, uh, you know, we've we, we just got to look at a more balanced sort of response from government. And, well, who knows, you know, with the general election coming up, it might, 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 be, might be tomorrow's announcement. Um, but actually, at the end of the day... Um, um, there, there are a lot more farmers around the region who need help. And it's not, you know, a few people are listening might think, well, it's only, it's only fields, it's only farmland. It, it doesn't matter if that gets flooded. But actually, this is going to take years to recover. And all of that land that's underwater now, we need to still eat 
and no food is going to be growing in those fields um, for some time to come. No, you probably well, uh, depending on how it dries out mm. and what what happens with the weather in the, in the meantime, and if it stopped raining tomorrow and didn't rain for a couple of months, probably. I mean, down at Waynefleet, it's certainly most of the locals down there. Their assessment is that it's going to take them two or three years to get back to where they were pre twelfth of June. Um, and, and obviously, um, for, for areas like Barlingo and down to Bardney, where there's standing water, the longer that's underwater, the more damage gets done to the soil structure, and you lose the worm population, and you don't lose the you lose all the adults, but there's the, the the eggs are still there, and they'll be viable. And so, within a few years, you get back up to an adult population. So there, there are various things that happen there. Uh, and Wainfleet is all about the, the help. The help that was provided for Wainfleet, part of that two million pound, was there for soil recovery. Mm. Um, nothing else really. There's there's not as there's no stone walls to be put back up down there, or or, or, or tons of gravel to be cleared off fields. It's sol- solely soil restoration, and that's what they'll need around Barlingso and, and other areas that are underwater for a length of time. So it, it's those who those who need the help. Um, but actually, that said, we've got you know, serious cropping issues across the whole whole of Lincolnshire, uh, and yeah, there'll be a lot of money that's missing in farmers' bank accounts by the time we get to the end of next year because they'll go in there and put spring crops in, but they, the, the, you know, without the, the yield advantage of a winter sown crop, etc., um, it's uh, it's you're looking at less 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 income coming in at the end of the day. And similar sorts, although we haven't planted it yet, um, similar sorts of expenses putting in in the first place, uh, along with the added additions of you've got a soil which is fairly fragile after a very wet winter. Now, there is some help being made available, whether it's the LRSN for you know support if people just want somebody to chat to confidentially. Yeah. I know Forage Aid has got various actions in at, at the moment as well. The NFU yourselves, you know, you're here to, to offer help yeah, as well. Yeah, we have. And, and I'd sort of say at the moment, I've been sort of somewhat troubleshooting um, emergency situations. And, and my focus is obviously with places like Barlingso and up on the Ancombe with livestock. But uh, keeping people informed, I think, across the region. I've had a lot of uh, um, a lot of uh, notes back in this morning saying, "Yeah, well done, keep going," uh, which is very very nice to hear. Um, but yeah, the, the the long-term thing of this is that, um, uh, and especially when you get sort of linking to rural network and, and those sort of people, is that there will be fallout from this in terms of farmers who feel under such pressure with. Uh, a bad weather event like this already on top of maybe cash flow issues that uh, it doesn't help with mental health and well-being at all um, and uh, yeah we will see that sort of thing coming forward for probably several years to come so um, my old adage in farming is that if you've got equal amounts of sun and rain great <laughs> but actually when you tip it one way or the other too dry or too wet then that's when you start having problems and that's the challenge of farming after all um, but it is actually when you start seeing problems and it compromises the business and the skill sets that the farming community have. Simon Fisher there, the NFU's Environment Advisor for the East Midlands. What of the CLA? Kath Crowther is uh, on the phone again. Morning, Kath. Uh, what's your take on what we've witnessed over the last week? Well, the flooding has had such a devastating effect. There's huge impact on the lives and livelihoods of a huge range of people. Um, in terms of our members, it's already been a difficult year for farmers with weather conditions, and this has just made all of that worse. I mean, that's that's the problem as we've been hearing, isn't it? You know, there's no uh, winter wheat and, and uh, winter crops being, being drilled at the moment. It's been wet, really, since the summer, hasn't it? It has. There's lots of um, unharvested crops still in the ground. Um, some newly drilled crops are now covered in water, 
Um, but actually, for a lot of people, they were preparing for drilling. Um, and because of the recent conditions, they hadn't been able to drill crops yet. They've purchased all of the seed and all of the products that they need to be able to do that. Um, but they haven't actually been able to um, to drill yet. And we don't know when they will be able to. Some people, were, it could be a year before they can plant crops. Now, the government's announced this uh, funding for, for some of those flood-hit farmers. There's still a lot of questions uh, around that, but I guess uh, any word from government is positive at the moment. Absolutely. So we wrote to the EA, RPA and ministers earlier this week, and Secretary of State Theresa Whitfield caused Mark Bridgman, um, our president, earlier this week to talk about the Farm Recovery Fund, which they have now extended to cover other areas of the country. Um, Whilst that is definitely welcomed, we need more detail on it. We do have a um, telephone um, call today with the RPA to understand a bit more about it. We need to make sure that those grants are available quickly and easily rather than having to go through many hoops to be able to get to them. Um, But for some people, that is just not going to be sufficient and it's nowhere near going to cover the cost. What we also need is licences to affected farmers and landowners where they need to realign watercourses, remove gravel, mud and debris, and derogations um, for environmental stewardship where they can't meet the requirements of their agreements and also force majeure where farmers can't meet their cross-compliance regulations. I mean, that's the thing, isn't it? Dealing with the the flood water right now is the priority, but after this, there's so many questions, so many things that uh, really need to change to lessen the impact of future such incidents. Absolutely. You know, short term, it's the water going down, Um, pumping the water out, um, dealing with the debris on the land, but this is going to have a much longer-term effect. Whilst we understand, you know, obviously now priority is to deal with the situation, um, but we want long-term flood resilience and adaptation to the impact of climate change to be priority, not just flood response and recovery. Certainly lots of questions that need answers. Thank you, Kath. That's Kath Crowther at the CLA. And, of course, the CLA will be asking those questions, I'm sure, on your behalf. Right, we'll go back to the flooding in a moment on this extended podcast edition of the Farming Programme. First, though, let's get uh, the usual latest from our agronomist, Sean Sparling, with his weekly report. Morning, Sean. Yes, morning, Sean. I'm going to try and get through this without mentioning the W word or the F word. Um, It's going to be hard, but I will try my best, I promise. So not a lot on the agronomy front for me to talk about. What I would say is it's far better to put winter wheat in the ground well in January than it is to put it in badly in November and December. There is plenty of time for the modern wheat varieties to go in the ground right up to the middle of February. And if I have the choice in February between drilling a spring wheat and a winter wheat, I would drill the winter wheat every time. You'll get a similar, if not better, yield and you will not be troubled by the problems that we will get from the open flowered spring varieties when it comes to things 
things like ergot. Um, so winter wheat that has gone in the ground where people have pinched a bit over the last few weeks, it's growing well, it's germinated well, I'm finding very little which has burst in the field and that's a positive and that's something we should embrace really because that is good news. Oilseed rate, the FOMA levels have increased somewhat over the last few days and that's inevitable with wet conditions like this, although the light leaf spot conditions have been perfect as well and that hasn't really increased i haven't seen light leaf spot thresholds anywhere actually across the county and remember we only have protection against light leaf spot so the prothioconazoles are very very good against light leaf spot i would say if you do go and put a fungicide on please be careful when it comes to using anything with a growth regulatory property and most of the triazoles have growth reg properties so i'm talking about metconazole tebuconazole give you a growth regulatory effect the likes of difenoconazole prothioconazole don't they are probably the better ones to go for but remember that difenoconazole doesn't do an awful lot against light leaf spot so pick the product which is likely to deal with both your threshold is one plant in seven i've seen nothing like that for light leaf spot anywhere the threshold for foma is one plant in ten affected i can easily find that out there there's nothing i can do about it remember it's a non-compliance to drive through standing water so you shouldn't really be out there you certainly don't want to be putting things like propizamide on with things as wet as they are because that how these things get into the water courses. You've plenty of time for propizamide till the end of January, so pick your time wisely. And I, I just think about people saying to me, oh, I'm worried about not getting my fungicide on for the FOMA. A few years ago, we didn't get the fungicide on in the autumn because of the weather, and I had the farm assessed, and 98.6% of plants had FOMA in them. So that's quite a high level. We put the difenoconazole, it was at the time, in with the propizamide towards the end of January and it was reassessed in March and it came back less than 1% had FOMA in. So you will get a kickback from decent triazoles on diseases like FOMA. You won't get that from light leaf spot because we only have protection. So if the weather's growy, expect the light leaf spot to move a little more and just be on your metal when it comes to spring, when it does it, it's it, the worst of its damage, if you like. And all of the work that we've been doing over the last few years as farmers, the last, well, forever really as farmers, to protect the environment has rapidly been undone by Mother Nature herself. We get a lot of criticism from NGOs and environmental groups about how much harm farming does to the environment. Well, actually, you know, it doesn't you're wrong because when it comes to carbon sequestration which is the storage of carbon in the soils any green crop which is growing remember that they transpire and they photosynthesize they're using oxygen to create carbon dioxide but similarly they use the carbon dioxide to create oxygen we're storing that carbon in the soil we're sequestering it in the soil and whether that be wheat or barley or rape or peas or beans linseed grass all of those green crops are doing that to the carbon and storing it in the soil. That's why farming is part of the solution and not part of the problem. Now you get a season like this when Mother Nature has intervened and we've got water in the soil making conditions anaerobic, a thing called denitrification happens. Now denitrification is a natural process, whether it's on organic fields or cultivated fields, it will still happen. It makes no difference whether it's farmed organically or otherwise. If you get anaerobic conditions, um, 
that means that the bacteria in the soil start to feast on the nitrogen and they release nitrous oxide gas to the atmosphere. Now, nitrous oxide is 300 times more potent than carbon dioxide when it comes to a greenhouse gas. And we have no control over that because of the conditions. It's Mother Nature doing it. So over the course of the next few years, we as farmers will correct the issue that Mother Nature has caused this year. And it will take a number of years for us to do. But farmers are the ones best placed to do that and we will do it and we will do it with alacrity. So really what I would say to people at the moment is just think about the effects of the, the conditions that we currently find ourselves in and think forward. You will have lost sulphur through leaching, you will have lost nitrogen through leaching. Damaged soils where you've taken maize off the fields or sugar beet or potatoes where we've damaged the land will influence the levels of potassium in the soil. So soil tests and soil analysis will be quite important going forward and make those plans because you may want to start using a nitrogen and sulfur as your first top dressing next spring because that will start to correct the issues because of the loss through leaching of nitrogen and sulfur with the conditions we've experienced this autumn so that's it sean i shall move away i'll go and lie down in a dark room um try not to get wet this week and we'll see what mother nature decides she's going to deliver us in the next seven days we will indeed thanks sean sean sparling of sparling agronomy services right Back to the flooding. Let's hear from those responsible for our flood management programme. On Friday, the DEFRA Secretary, Theresa Villiers, visited the Till Washlands. They were deliberately flooded to stop serious issues in Lincoln. Indeed, it's the same land that caused the problems for Bransby horses that we discussed with Joe Snell earlier. Here's what Theresa Villiers had to say on her visits on Friday. From the background, you can see that there's a phenomenal amount of, of water stored here as a result of this Environment Agency project. And without it being here then we would have seen thousands of home, many homes in Lincoln flooded. So there is, it is a relief to know that there are around 14,500 homes that have been protected by flood defences. Um, but as you say, even here where there has been effective protection of, of homes, obviously many farmers are affected, which is one of the reasons why we announced a scheme for farmers suffering uninsurable losses so they can apply for grants of up to £25,000. And I've been meeting flood-affected farmers today and I think one of the things I took away from that is the consequences of these kind of episodes can last for months and potentially even years. So the government is really committed to, to continuing to focus on helping farmers as well as householders and other businesses affected by flooding. The Environment Agency is working phenomenally hard on the ground and I pay tribute to their staff and the emergency services. Um, but after every major flooding incident, of course, we conduct a process of lessons learned to make sure that um, if in the future we're doing everything possible we can to, to protect as many people as possible. There are sometimes balances to get between holding water on farmland um, in order to help protect homes, but we need to do what we can to ensure that we get that balance right, and we also look after everyone who's ultimately affected by flooding. That's DEFRA Secretary Theresa Villiers. Well, she mentioned and indeed praised the Environment Agency there, so uh, let's hear from them. Now, they can't answer all our questions. As a uh, government department, they're rather limited by PERDA during this election period. So uh, matters such as investment, both past investment or future investment, are off limits right now. But don't worry, we will question them again once the election's over. I promise you that much. Uh, Area Flood Risk Manager Ben Thorley is on the phone, though. Ben, thanks for chatting with us. What's the latest this weekend? 
So the weather situation has improved significantly and we're, we're expecting a period of far more settled weather over the next few days um, with far less rain than we had on, on Thursday and over the last couple of weeks. Um, so we're expecting that weather to um, change and it'll be mainly focused on the west of the country. So an improving situation. Now, we've heard from Henry Ward at, at Short Ferry, the situation there with the uh, the, the Barling Zoo. Is there any um, word of comfort you can give to to Henry? Do we know when that issue might be resolved? Yeah, well, I, I first would sort of start by saying that obviously flooding to, to any any individual or any community is devastating. Um, so sort of that's something we, we, we work to avoid to try and minimise that risk. We never rule out flooding, of course, but we do our utmost to sort of minimise that risk. Um, so we've we've met with um, Henry and, and other farmers in that area, and working closely with the National Farmers Union um, and the internal drainage boards on how we can best um, return things to a, a more normal situation. And clearly, in that particular situation, um, the the embankment failed, and there's been so we've um, agreed with the landowner that until such time as that land is drained and safe to do so. Um, we won't. We can't get in there to do that repair. So we'll do that as quickly as we can, or another solution to be agreed with the farmer. Now, obviously, other areas were deliberately flooded. The, the till washlands around the Auburn area as well to stop Lincoln flooding. Did did the Barling Zoo do you a favour in one way? Because if that hadn't have burst, all that water would have to go somewhere. And would we be looking at possibility of flooding in Lincoln as a result? So we, you, you're correct. We use the um, washlands upstream and downstream of Lincolnshire really effectively. And, and those washlands have, have restored the equivalent of 2,000 Olympic-sized swimming pools over the last few days. Um, and that's reduced the risk to Lincoln City itself um, and downstream. And in turn, that's protected approximately 8,000 properties. Um, in, in terms of the river levels, they are unprecedented. We've seen huge amounts of rain over the last few months. September saw twice the amount of rain we'd normally see in a month. October two and a half times that amount. By the 10th of November, we'd already had a, a month's worth of rain again. So that that the system only has that finite capacity. And unfortunately, in, in this circumstance, it did overspill um, and caused the embankment to fail and has led to significant flooding of, of that area, um, which is, is area typically lower lying than the river. Do you know why it took five days for someone from the agency to actually make contact with Henry? Was it because you were just overwhelmed with, with what was happening, obviously not only in Lincolnshire, but Nottinghamshire, Yorkshire and elsewhere? Yeah, no, absolutely. We've, we've, um, we've had huge unprecedented rainfall across the whole of the East Midlands, as, as you'll have seen from the news. So our focus is obviously, first and foremost, to be operating our assets and managing um, all of the, the facilities we have on the ground to try and minimise that the risk and reduce flood risk, so operating the washlands. Um, it did take us longer than we would typically like to, um, to, to meet with the farmer and speak with the farmer, um, but it was due to the sheer scale of, of what we were dealing with, which is why the local resilience forum were involved, the emergency services, the drainage boards, and, and we all came together to um, respond to this emergency. Now, drier a uh, few days ahead. Um, what's the next stage, really? Because we're only just starting into winter, aren't we? And uh, the grounds are already very sodden, as we know. So there could be, I guess this could go on for a few weeks yet. Yeah, so our, our incident room is remaining open. Um, and obviously, we have a number of flood alerts and flood warnings out there. And it's really important that people do um, sign up to receive those free warnings. And they can do that by either ringing 0345 988 or they can visit the 
gov.uk website and search for flood to sign up. Um, and we ask people to, to, to make that a priority if you live in a low-lying area because we are expecting the weather conditions um, to remain incredibly wet across those catchments. So any rain that we do get in the coming weeks and months, will you know, the rivers will respond very quickly. The river levels will go up. Um, we've seen the highest recorded levels on the Ancombe and on the Witham this year so far. Um, so we are expecting uh, high levels for a number of days yet. But um, in the coming weeks and months, we need to all be you know, very switched on to that and aware of it and prepared for it. And that's why we ask communities to sign up for those flood warnings. That's great. Thanks for that. That's uh, Ben, Ben Thornley, Area Flood Risk Manager at the Environment Agency. Right, let's get the latest on the grain markets as we do each week here on the farming programme. Also hit by the weather, I presume. Here's Kit Dickinson from Open Field. Well, the wheat market this week, although we have seen some movement in the wheat market, it has been uh, nearly unchanged at the close on Friday evening. Currently, the weather conditions have been the main factors affecting the trade this week. Another week goes by and limited drilling has been done. And with the weather as uncertain as it is going forward, there is no way of knowing how much wheat will be drilled this side of Christmas. Many growers are turning their attention towards spring cropping, especially on heavy land. And as a result, spring wheat seed is now in very short supply. It is worth noting there are many varieties of winter wheat that can be drilled, though, in January and February. New crop prices continue to rise on the back of limited autumn drilling, which is having a positive effect on old crop too. Marketing little and often, as the price rises, seems to be the best strategy going forward. The states are also experiencing weather problems with freezing conditions, which could do damage to their winter crops in the plains. Freezing temperatures and snow in the states could make their way over to the UK. If this happens, it could add more delays to winter drilling. Oilseed rape this week finished marginally higher on Wednesday with the French up 1.25 euros, but this didn't make up for ground it lost on Tuesday. Comments ref the strength of the pound may be the cause for concern, as this will just encourage more imported rape to come in and the crush to sit back and squeeze the UK farm seller. There has been little movement in the barley market this week. We still have a huge surplus in the UK, even though we have exported circa 400,000 tonnes from the start of our harvest through to the end of October. But with the dreaded weather still going against us on autumn drilling, the likelihood of more spring barley being planted in spring 20 is very high, and there is no reason for the domestic consumer to come to the market. Spring seed availability on barley is currently okay, but the longer the weather pattern continues could mean it will be in short supply before long. In summary this week, the market revolves around the weather in the UK and the States, and at present there is no sign of this changing. Moving on to prices this week, wheat November 136 to 138, February 140 to 142, May 144 to 146, and November 20, 152 to 154. Milling premiums are currently £20. Oilseed rate values for November are 318 to 320, February 321 to 323, May 324 to 326, and November 20, 307 to 309. Feed barley prices for November 121 to 123, February 122 to 124, May 124 to 126. November 20, 123 to 125. Malting premiums are currently circa £10, dependent on quality and area. 
Thank you. Kit Dickinson from Open Field. Earlier, we mentioned how help is available for those affected by the flooding. LRSN's hotline is there, should you need confidential advice from the Lincolnshire Royal Support Network. Rabbi as well, the FCN charity Yana, among many others. Forage Aid is also on standby, should farmers need them. The charity's founder is Lednam farmer Andrew Ward. We haven't actually been called into action because of the recent floods, uh, Sean. We've got this problem, obviously, here. Luckily, there, there are no livestock farms uh, around Short Ferry as such in, in this area, so we're not, we're not operating here. We've got a couple of farms in North Lincolnshire, uh, one a pig unit and, and one a beef farm, that we are um, uh, on standby for, I should say. Uh, they're just you know, sort of on the edge. We're all right at the moment. Um, that's the sort of we're watching that if your situation up there. We've then got um, around Doncaster, around the Fish Lake area, we've got the, um, a couple of farms there that we're on standby as well. We've got another four or five in that area that are, are sort of could be in danger, but to a lesser degree. So really at the moment it's quite surprising. We've got all this water that, that we're, we're not operating any more than we were a, a month ago. And you say, you say you're on standby for, for both, you know, the Ancombe, Doncaster mm-hmm. area, Fish Lake. W- what might you need to get involved here? What help might they need? Uh, it's animal evacuation is one, and obviously with, with, uh, with Somerset um, and one of our trustees, uh, James Winslade, he was the first farmer to be evacuated. So we've got quite a lot of knowledge in, in that, and, and it's the contacts, I suppose, as well, that we can, uh, we can be called upon. Um, with our social media presence being, being quite high within Forage Aid, and we've put a call out already uh, for people to, to come forward to help with the, with the evacuation and movement of animals uh, from these farms. So that's the, the sort of first thing. And then the second thing is um, is to replace uh, the, the, the forage and, and the straw because two of these farms um, have lost straw already. Um, and we have got a lot of straw already donated to us from when we put a call out uh, from the floods in the summer. So at the minute, we're, you know, we're okay. We've got enough donations at the moment. But if these other farms do require our help, we then we'll be putting another call out for more more donations. Okay, and so obviously anybody who's listening, if they're on a farm that might be affected, think they might need forage aids help. Get in touch. Yeah? Exactly, Sean. We, we've got a, um, a new a new um, da- database built on our website. So if anybody requires uh, help that they would like um, some straw silage because they have lost some then please go to our website um, which is forageaid.org.uk and offer uh, their, their, their um, pledges of support through there and request for help through that same site. That's Andrew Ward there at Forage Aid. That website in case you missed it forageaid.org.uk if you need their help or indeed if you think you might be able to offer help. Right, we focused a lot on the devastating flooding here on the extended edition of the Farming Programme podcast, rightly so, given the problem. But let's lift the mood a little, shall we, before we finish. Uh, something a little bit lighter. Tonight on Channel 4, you'll be able to see the world's fastest tractor. It's been created by JCB and Guy Martin will be driving it. Uh, Michael Keng from Kerner Aerial Photographies with me. Michael, uh, you've been involved in the filming of tonight's documentary, haven't you? That's right, yeah, we've been um, been. been following it all the way through from uh, when the tractor was first built at the JCB factory over in Stoke up until he attempts the uh, world record which you'll find out the result of later on this evening. Unlike other tractors um, that have tried to get the world record this is actually a real tractor. Um, JCB modified a um, fast track just to make it go fast um, and it's a phenomenal machine. 
Now you've obviously seen it go fast. Is it is it amazing to watch when it's actually going? Because obviously when we're on the roads locally, sometimes they're not that quick. But uh... <laughs> well, we uh, I mean we, we we were involved in the early days, uh, and they did some testing with the standard fast track when on the roads. I think they're limited to thirty nine miles an hour, um, and even at thirty miles an hour, thirty nine miles an hour, it was fairly fast. But to see this thing go. In, in the flesh is, is you know it sounds absolutely awesome I mean I'm into Formula 1 and it you know knocks socks off the sound of a Formula 1 girl well that's it I, I imagine it's got an amazing noise to it as well not just watching it but actually the sound of it yeah and it's all the safety aspects as well to it so you know you're not allowed to stand on one side of it when it's struck up in case something might go wrong um, because if something went wrong you know you're going to get injured so um, you know safety is a big big part of it um, and the, the whole process was really interesting to follow as well because it's not just about building a tractor it's obviously the weight of the tractor and then having the right tires for the tractor as well so you know they were looking at different technologies in tires and you know it was it's just a fascinating sort of show to be involved with really absolutely and uh, we mentioned uh, at the beginning of the program we were talking about the uh, the Joe and his farm and Henry with their farm being surrounded by uh, water at Short Ferry. You actually may have seen on the national news uh, some of your images with your drone as well of, of, of the extent of the flooding around their uh, their farm as well. I mean, was you surprised by that when you went out there last weekend and looked at it? I, I was absolutely gobsmacked when I got there on uh, Sunday morning and had a look. Um, we were involved in doing a lot of the filming for the Waynefleet floods back in June, um, and I thought that was bad. But as soon as I saw Short Ferry, I've never seen so much land underwater. Bearing in mind, I know what that land looks like when it's dry, um, and you know it was it was as if it was you're on the on the on the coast. It was it's just it's horrendous. It, you know, I'm, I'm pleased that Joe's house is actually elevated a little bit and on its own little island at the moment. But it does make you wonder what the Environment Agency are actually doing about sort of dredging these sort of you know d- dikes and rivers and everything else because there, there must be a, a problem there somewhere I think you know you can tell by some of the aerial views that there are um, weeds and reeds and everything growing in the middle should they be there I don't know I'm, I'm not part of the environment agency but you know just from a layman I would have thought you know they shouldn't really be there to make the river flow uh, quicker and of course the, the technology that you're now using with with these drones as well is very useful isn't it because we can get those images and we can almost see you know we, we can see in real time what's really happening when these big major incidents are happening in in big rural areas yeah and you know there was talk about um like at the um, till washlands where they're actually pumping water out onto the onto the farmland and that's a controlled environment people were saying though that was happening down at short ferry well you know it wasn't because you can actually clearly see you know the there is a big hole in 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 the bank of the of the of the, of the Barlings O there, and that's where all the water is coming out of. So you know you can you know get in there with a drone, you can see exactly what's happened, what the cause is, um, and you know and people can see what's happening. Well, keep up the good work, and uh, we'll uh, look out for your images on uh, Channel Four later on this evening. Thanks, Sean. Michael Kang there from Kernia Aerial Photography, and the world's fastest tractor is on Channel 4, actually at 9 o'clock tonight. That's Sunday night, but of course if you're listening to this podcast and it's not Sunday anymore, then uh, I'm sure you'll be able to find it on all four. Right, that's it for uh, another week in the world of agriculture. Uh, Of course, uh, it's uh, devastating scenes with uh, all of the flooding, and we'll keep a check on it over the coming week as well and uh, any other problems that the weather might well bring. I do fear it's not the last we'll have heard of flooding uh, this winter.
This coming week, hopefully on a more positive note, it's the Midlands Machinery Show at the Newark Showground, an event that just gets bigger and better every single year. Hopefully, if you're going, I'll see you there and we'll chat a bit about it on next week's farming programme. Until then, take care.